Bible prophecies clearly predict the rise of the Antichrist in the end times. Many people believe the great millennial endgame has already begun as civilization speeds towards its final destiny. The appearance of a powerful world ruler is inevitable. The ultimate question facing our generation is whether if he is alive and well and moving into power. This week on Connecting the Gap, we're going to continue our study on prophecies of the Bible as we continue through the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. We're going to get started on that right after this. Welcome once again to another week of Connecting the Gap. We've kicked off 2021 in a great, awesome way, talking about prophecies of the Bible. Hope you guys have been having a good year so far as the new year has begun. And we are continuing on through our study on prophecies of the Bible, and we've reached the book of Daniel. We're going to get into that here in just a little bit. Before I do that, just a little bit of homework I need to do here. We have a website, ConnectingTheGap.net. If you'd like to see the rest of our podcast that we have available, we've been doing this for almost right out a year now. And you can go check all of those out at that website. Also, the blog that I write occasionally is there as well. You can subscribe to that and our YouTube channel is linked there as well. Just many different ways that you can check us out here at Connecting the Gap as we continue to try to share God's Word each each week as we come and, and share with you what God has laid up on our heart. Right now, as I uh, have been studying for quite some time with you guys, we are having a study on prophecies of the Bible, and it's a study that is based on a study by Damon Duck, and we have began in, Gen- in Genesis, and we are working our way all the way through Revelation. So we've still got a ways to go. But we are starting to get deeper and deeper into the prophecies that are getting us closer to what's happening in the end days in Revelation. So we're going to go ahead and get started this week. And last week, as I finished our podcast, we were in Daniel chapter 7, verses 23 through 27. And in that passage, Daniel was talking about a fourth beast that would be a fourth kingdom on earth which shall be different from all other kingdoms. And we got into a preliminary discussion on that before I had to quit for last week. And so if you need to refresh your memory or kind of pick up where we're at because you missed last week, you need to go listen to that one first or right there at the very end of it at least where we were talking about the one world government in Daniel seven twenty three through 27. And then once you listen to the ending of that, you will be caught up to where we're going to pick up today. J.R. Church was quoted saying, I feel that this beast, or the fourth kingdom, represents the new world order whose power base is built upon the foundation of the United Nations. It is the same beast that John describes in Revelation 13. He writes that it has some of the same features as Daniel's previous three beasts, the body of a leopard, feet of a bear, and mouth of a lion. These three political entities are presently members of the United Nations. In talking about these four kingdoms, since the identity of these four kingdoms is questionable, it is difficult to say whether some of this is fulfilled or not. But we do know that the United Nations world government is now forming, thus it is not unreasonable to believe that the ten divisions will soon appear. But the Antichrist cannot appear until after the rapture, and he will not be judged until Jesus returns at the end of the tribulation period. The one world government will no doubt appear for many reasons. 
some of which are even commendable. They will stop the spread of the nuclear, biological, and chemical weapons, promote peace, deal with terrorism, and so forth. After it appears and divides into ten regions with a leader over each one, uh, as was stated with the ten horns, the kings, and the toes, an eleventh leader will appear. He will be the world's most dangerous man, a so-called man of peace who will kill without compunction, a lying leader with tainted or poisoned words of deception, Satan's apprentice, who some call the counterfeit son, and the second member of the satanic trinity. He will use his authority over the one world government to try to impose his pagan mindset on all the world and will go forth to oppose God and all who follow God. The Almighty has deliberately kept his name a secret, but he has long been given the well-chosen title Antichrist. The good news for the church is that he cannot appear until after the rapture. The bad news for the world is that he may be alive and waiting in the wings. In Daniel, he describes many facts about this man of sin. And I'm going to go through a list of how Daniel describes the Antichrist throughout the various chapters of his book. Starting in Daniel chapter 7, he says that the Antichrist will have eyes like a man. He'll have insight, shrewdness, and be cunning. He will also have a mouth that speaks pompous words. He'll be proud and arrogant. He will look greater than his fellows. He'll be impressive and commanding. He will make war against the saints or God's people and prevail against them. He will subdue three kings. He will speak against the Most High God. He will try to change set times and laws. He will oppress the saints and they will be handed over to him for three and a half years. His power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. In Daniel chapter 8, he continues, he will start small, but he'll grow in power. His power will grow to the south and to the east and to the glorious land. He will set himself up to be as great as the prince of the host, Jesus or God. He will take away the daily sacrifice at the Jewish temple. Because of transgression by those on earth, the saints and sacrifice will be given over to him. He will cast truth to the ground. He will use deceit and lies. He will prosper in all that he does. He will understand sinister schemes, occultic or satanic plots. He will become mighty, but not by his own power, but by Satan's power. He will destroy fearfully, but will prosper and thrive. He will destroy the mighty and also the holy people. He will cause deceit, lies, corruption to prosper, and he will exalt himself in his heart. He will destroy many in their prosperity and even rise against the prince of princes, Jesus. He will be broken, but not by human means, rather by God's power. He will confirm a covenant with many for one week, which is seven years in God's timetable. In the middle of the week, at the tribulation period midpoint, he will bring an end to sacrifice and offering, or he will break the covenant. He will set up an abomination of desolation, which is a statue or image of himself. He will do according to his own will by possessing great power and authority. He will exalt and magnify himself above every god or be a braggart. Continuing on in Daniel 11, he will speak blasphemies against the God of gods. He will prosper until the wrath or tribulation period has been accomplished. He will show no regard for the God of his fathers. He will show no regard for the one desired by women, the Messiah. He will exalt himself above all gods or claim that he is greater than every god. He will honor the God of fortresses or Satan. He will act against the strongest fortresses with a foreign god or Satan. 
He will make those who honor him rulers over many people. He will divide the land for gain or swap conquered territory for favors. He will enter and overwhelm many countries or attack many nations. He will enter the glorious land or Israel. He will conquer Egypt, Libya, and Ethiopia. He will pitch his royal tents between the seas, the Mediterranean Sea and Dead Sea, at the beautiful holy mountain or Jerusalem. He will come to his end and no one will help him. So in Daniel chapter 7 all the way through Daniel chapter 11, there's a detailed description of the Antichrist and what he's going to be like and how he's going to be accepted by many nations and by many peoples because of the type of person that he appears to be. As we continue on now to Daniel chapter 9, there is a decree made by God. At verse 27, it says, Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. But in the middle of the week, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. One of the most famous prophecies in the entire Bible is found in Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 to 27. God sent the angel Gabriel to tell Daniel, 70 weeks, or 490 years, are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. He said the 70 weeks, which is... 70 times 7 years, or 490 years, would begin with a decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. After the decree is issued, a period of 7 weeks, or 49 years, and another period of 62 weeks, or 434 years, would pass, and Messiah the Prince, or Jesus, would come. Then the Messiah would be cut off, or crucified, and the people of the prince who would come would destroy the city, which was Jerusalem, and the sanctuary, which was the temple. It is now widely recognized that he foretold the first coming of Jesus to the exact day that Jesus would be crucified, that Jerusalem would be destroyed, and the temple would be destroyed, that he foretold these things more than 483 years before they happened, and that all of these things took place exactly as he said they would. The sum of seven weeks, which is 49 years, plus 62 weeks, which is 434 years, is 69 weeks, which is 483 years. It is one week or seven years short of the required 70 weeks, which is 490 years decreed by God. This last week is often called the 70th week of Daniel. It is also called the tribulation period. Gabriel said, He, or the ruler who will come, the Antichrist, shall confirm a covenant with many, those are representatives of many nations and groups of nations, for one week, which is seven years. But in the middle of the week, which is at the tribulation period midpoint, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offerings. This foretells the signing of a peace treaty in the Middle East. And it implies the rebuilding of the temple because that is where sacrifices, which are animal sacrifices, and offerings of gifts and worship were always made. It also implies the existence of priests to conduct the services, tools to sacrifice the animals, furniture for the temple, and clothing for the priest. 
Another important point concerns the ruler who will come. His people are the ones who destroyed Jerusalem and the temple after Jesus was crucified. And history records that it was the Romans who destroyed Jerusalem and the temple. This means the ruler who will come will be someone from the group of nations that made up the Roman Empire. Because the Roman Empire broke up before the arrival of this ruler who will come came on the scene, the Roman Empire has to come back into existence or be revived in order for the prophecy to be fulfilled. This is why the European Union is so important prophetically. It is the uniting of that group of nations that Gabriel said will produce the ruler who will come. He will be the Antichrist. The last thing Gabriel said was that the Antichrist will set up an abomination that causes desolation on the wing of the temple. This will be something that defiles or contaminates the temple, and most authorities believe it will be an image of the Antichrist. When it happens, many of the Jews will abandon everything, including the temple, and flee into the mountains. A good example in the Bible of one week being equal to seven years is found in the story of Jacob fulfilling Rachel's week. He worked for a week, which was seven years, so that he could marry her. You can find that story in Genesis 29, 21-30. Also see Ezekiel 4, verses 4-6, and Leviticus 25, verse 8. Concerning the identity of the many, know that there have been several attempts to broker a peace treaty between Israel and her enemies. But the roadmap is the first one that has involved the United Nations. It would be difficult to find a many that is greater than the United States, Europe, Russia, and the United Nations. And it's very intriguing that the EU has been brought in on the negotiations because the Antichrist will arise out of this group and sign the seven-year contract. As for the covenant being seven years, Israel has asked for a long-term, could this be seven years possibly, interim agreement before it signs a permanent treaty. She wants to be sure her enemies are keeping the interim agreement before she signs a permanent one. And as for the Palestinians, they have asked for an agreement for up to 10 years, which could be seven. The Koran, also a hudna, or agreement of peace, for up to 10 years, but no longer. Also notice that all of this requires the existence of Israel, the existence of a reunited Europe, Israel surrounded by enemies, peace negotiations, and efforts to rebuild the temple. And all of this has to be in place at the same time in history. It hasn't been for almost 2,000 years, but at this point, it is today. Gary Hedrick quoted, The next event on God's prophetic agenda will be the removal of the church from planet Earth, an event sometimes called the rapture, discussed by Paul in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13-18. Then according to Daniel 9, God will call time in for Israel. At that point, the prince that shall come, or the Antichrist, will confirm the covenant with Israel for seven years, marking the beginning of the 70th week, or the tribulation period, as it is also known. But at the midpoint of the 70th week, or three and one-half years into the seven-year tribulation, Antichrist will break his treaty with Israel, invade the land, enter the newly rebuilt temple, and demand to be worshipped. David Jeremiah was quoted, More than anything else in the world, the Jews long for the restoration of their temple and the beginning of temple sacrifice. One day there is going to be this great leader who will sit down at a conference table and say, My dear friends, it's my desire to help you restore your religious heritage. I have the resources and manpower to rebuild your glorious temple.
Charles Dyer was quoted, The final three and a half years of this period are a time of unparalleled trouble for the nation of Israel. Jesus Christ described this abomination that causes desolation and indicated that its fulfillment was still in the future. That was described in Matthew 24, verse 15. That brings us to the end of our study for this week in Prophecies of the Bible. And as I said earlier, you can go to my website, connectingthegap.net. You can check out all the sections of the study so far as we begin from Genesis. This is based on a study by Damon Duck. And you can also subscribe to my blog there as well. My podcast is on many different platforms, so I'm sure that I cover one that you typically listen to. And if you're a YouTube person, I've got a YouTube channel as well. And you can subscribe there and get notifications by clicking the bell. And you'll be notified each time a new podcast has been uploaded. Well, I'm out of here for this week. I'll be back next week as we get closer to our one-year birthday or one-year anniversary. Until then, don't forget that God's Word never fails us. God's Word has stood the test of time, and through Jesus' death on the cross, He has connected the gap.